0: Welcome back to another Future Sox podcast. I'm your host, Clinton Cole, and joining me on Skype, special guest, the associate editor of Baseball America, Josh Norse. You can find him on Twitter at jnorse427. Josh, thanks for your time today, man. Appreciate it. No problem at all. How are you, uh,
1: how are you today, Clinton?
0: I'm doing all right. Um, it is, I guess, summer's winding down, and uh, it's almost football season, but we've still got, still got about a, what, a little less than a month of the regular season left of the minor leagues, and uh, Sox fans have been... It's been an up and down last year and a half, I guess you could say with all the injuries and this and that and I know you guys just posted a new top 100 today and and uh, yeah some more um some more rankings that came out recently so I think what I want to start with is um the biggest the biggest name on white sox fans minds and, and that's Luis Robert I mean you guys. Have him ranked uh, where we have him ranked, and for for White Sox fans, he's he's like the I don't know if I want to say savior, but he's 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 almost reached that level, I guess, with, with Sox fans. So everyone's seen him play for the most part, but not everyone has seen him as in depth as you guys have. So what? First of all, what can you say about Luis Robert timetable-wise, comp-wise, and maybe what you what's your overall thoughts on him?
1: Well, I'm going to get to see a lot more of him starting next week, because his uh, team comes into Durham for either three or four games, uh, so I'll get a lot more, and hopefully for you guys and for himself, it's not like the last time I saw him, <laughs> which was two games, and nine at-bats, and eight strikeouts. Yes. So, you know, I mean, between me and Keith Law, I don't know what the two of us do to him, but <laughs> it just is not good. But, our weird looks aside, um, I think Robert is Freak, That's pretty much yeah. all you could say about him. He's, he's he's got tools from you know here to Chicago. He can hit. He can hit for power. He can run. He can throw. He can play center field. He's everything the White Sox said he was going to be, or they believed he was going to be when they signed him. It took him a little bit to kick the rust off, but he's there right now, and it's just a matter right now of putting the final touches on him before he's. He's ready. I don't think you'll see him this year, and I don't think you should see him this year. Uh, I mean, as long as the system is in place where you have to start the clock, uh, I don't think he needs to be in the big leagues. Um, I'd like to see him, frankly, in the fall league a little bit for uh, just the, the final coat of polish. But you know, he's as close as you're going to get to you know uh, a guy who can make a really, really big impact the minute he steps into Chicago.
0: Do you really think that they would risk injury in the fall league, though? I mean, I don't. I mean,
1: I don't know if they really they would or not. But,
0: but you're saying I mean, you'd like to see more of him, is what? You, yeah. Yeah,
1: I would like to get keep getting those reps out there. Right. Keep getting those reps against you know, quality pitching, quality prospects, even if it's for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Just put him out there and you know let him get as big as ready as he can, so you don't even have to monkey around with his surface time next year, you could sign into some sort of extension uh, uh, in uh, spring training, just like you did Eloy.
0: So what do you think are his biggest, I mean, when I say biggest weaknesses, I mean, it's, he's not Mike Trout, so uh, obviously that, but no, right now at least. Um, <laughs> but what do you think is his biggest downfalls as of right this second?
1: I think really it's just he's going to have to adjust to craftier um, type of pitchers, yeah. that is, pitchers who can spin the ball, pitchers who can command, pitchers who can, you know, find his holes and exploit them uh, effectively. It's, it's, like, you know, it's just that, just recognizing spin and, you know, being able to turn his weaknesses uh, to, to, uh, to close the holes he has in his swing, which everybody has a hole in their swing. Right. But if he can add, close it as much as possible, then that's pretty much it, I think.
0: Let's move down the list. Uh, we we'll go to Andrew Vaughn, the number three overall pick last year, um, or this year, I should say, for the White Sox, and uh, he's a Winston Salem right now. Other than Adley, obviously, you know, and then even Adley, and then Bobby Witt Jr., and then uh, and then Andrew Vaughn. I mean, those three guys were pretty darn good. And then obviously CJ Abrams, Abrams before he got hurt, and then a bunch of other guys. But for for Vaughn. What do you what, what do you like about Vaughn? I mean, obviously the such a great hitter, but what about playing at first base? What, what do you see with Vaughn?
1: Well, with Vaughn uh, again, I saw a, a couple terrible games with his, <laughs> but um, I when we put the, the draft guys into our updated 30s, I lean a lot on our draft guys, obviously, mm-hmm. and they wrote somewhere that he was a potential 70 hitter with 70 power. Now, if he's that you have a case for him being above Robert, quite frankly, because the hitter with 70 power is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But, um, what, so when, when they wrote that, it was kind of like, well, I have to put him very high, right. <laughs> and I have to do it immediately. So that's kind of what I bet, based him number two on. Uh, right now, obviously, he's, he's in high A, which is uh, about as, parts of it are comparable to a, uh, Power Five college league, so he's getting similarly tested um, against guys who are probably his same skill level. It's, it's, it should be a fairly decent test for him, but I think the biggest one will come next year in the way
0: So, bar, barring any setbacks or anything like that, obviously he'll start in Birmingham next year, um, and I assume you know he'll be there. Well, I
1: don't there. know. I don't know. Obviously, I mean, I, I thought Nick Madrigal would, would start in Birmingham last year or this year, but. Didn't I thought Louis Robert would start in Birmingham this year? Didn't so I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out seeing Vaughn for uh, a couple of weeks back in Louis, uh, in uh, Winston Salem, but it, it'll it'll be quick before he's in Birmingham. I think
0: it's interesting because I you know I talked with you know various people in the stock system and and I'm not obviously not going to name names or anything like that, but you know a lot of them were pining for him to start in double a because they thought he was that advanced. And so that's really the only reason I I say that is just because a good portion of the people in the system wanted him to start there. So it's just, I don't know, I guess given the timetable and stuff and obviously you're not rushing people here and there and things like that, but it just seems like given the timetable, I I don't know. It would seem like, you know, and obviously we'll see how he does to to finish things out. But I think if he starts in, in Winston Salem, I think it for for the common fan, I think you know people would be like, oh, you know what's wrong with him? Why, you know what I mean? Something like that, right?
1: No, and I think that was could have been the reaction with Madrigal this year. Yeah. Like I was I was stunned when I was at uh, White Sox spring training and he went down to the Winston group. And it's like, well, wait a minute, guys usually don't do that. They, they usually don't move back up. So I kind of was like, okay, he's almost certainly coming back to Winston, and that shocked me. But this is what I'm saying. I, I wouldn't be, I would say like 80-20 he's in Birmingham next year, but right. I would certainly not rule out a return to Winston, depending on how he does, like you said, the rest
0: of the year. The, uh, the three and four uh, prospects on the list, Cease and Kopech. I mean, we've already seen him in Chicago, so I don't really want to spend a lot of time with that. I, I do want to ask you this, though. For, for everyone out there, um, why, why are those rules, or why do you guys still include them in these lists when they I know uh, there's the service or the the time that they've been in the major leagues but it seems like with prospects I think of more Vaughn and Robert and Magical than I do of Cease and Kopech.
1: Well, Cease didn't graduate from prospecthood uh by the time this list came out okay. and he still hasn't and neither had Kopek. We don't count service time. So you So he had he had to get to 50 innings or 50.1 innings uh, both of them to get
0: to 50.1 innings before they graduated. So I guess count as prospects. I guess for me it's just like with guys guys like that they're in Chicago they're staying in Chicago and it's like they're not going back down I get that's that's really just a it's just a technicality I guess but I, I just think of those in terms of prospects and it's just like man I hope they don't have to go back down there or something like that.
1: Well, I mean, I didn't I didn't anticipate ranking Kopech this year. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Unfortunately. Well, I mean, I, don't, I don't know if he would have gotten to 50 by the time he gotten by the time he got called up, but. Uh, if he had, it, it would have been an easy. You know, he's gone. But T.J. Right. You know, obviously puts him out, and uh, you know, there's—it's not a certainty that he comes back looking like he did uh, toward the end of last season. So who knows? There's still there. That it adds that much more risk to his future. But yeah, no. If, our our rules are pretty simple, uh, yeah, you have to graduate. Got it. They
0: didn't. <clears throat> All right. Well, so then the, for the fans out there that don't don't understand that, that's a good little. Good little recap for them as to why guys like that are they're still on prospect lists. Not not just the Sox, you know, you see it all over. Like you go down Alvarez. I mean, yeah. guys like that that are you know that've made recent debuts that are still on lists like that. Number five, uh, Nick Madrigal. Um He's he's hit every level. He's hit at every level. He's he hasn't struck out. I mean, just and he's he's great with the glove. So what do you what do you think about his his timetable? I guess and his skill set.
1: Boys, be a divisive one. Yeah. <laughs> he is really, really, really divisive. Um, the guys who like him see an offensive, mounted second baseman without a whole lot of power. But as I've written before, he was he, 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 he and Louis Urias were the crux of an article I just wrote about how the heck do you project power with this new baseball? Because if you had kept it the previous baseball, you know, you would, if it weren't juiced to high heck, you would say this guy's not going to have a whole lot of power, so he's going to be a singles and doubles hitting second baseman. Um, and that's a pretty good player. But if you add a lot more power, or not a lot more, but just enough that it's double-digit home runs, uh, which, by the way, is I think he hit eight in his collegiate career, um, so double digits in the big league would be quite the departure yeah. from his uh, previous profile. So this that would be a really interesting player. Um Otherwise, I, I think he's, um, he's a really interesting player, but he gets more interesting if you add that power. So that made a whole lot of sense. Um, but there are, there are scouts out there who don't believe in him, who think that he's you know, too small, that the bat might get knocked out of his hand at the big league level, that he's uh, you know, just kind of a slapdash guy without a whole lot of impact. Um, but there are others who say, well, you know, to hit is off the charts, and his contact ability is obviously unbelievable. So that kind of player is especially valuable in today's game where everybody either strikes out walks or homers. So it'll be really interesting to see what he looks like in the big leagues. There's a number of ways this can go.
0: So what did you think about where they picked him at four? And you've got other guys you know, that are are seeing success. I mean, obviously, Madri's having success, but what did you think about where they selected him?
1: I mean, I think we kind of assumed that was where he was going. I try to remember how that.
0: So India went five.
1: Uh, going to be a top five pick. Yeah. So, uh, so it was, we weren't super surprised at okay. them. And I think we knew our draft guys knew they were on him pretty hot and heavy, so it wasn't a whole lot of surprise. I'm one of the few guys at VA who really doesn't delve deep into the draft okay. myself because it's usually, you know, two months into the minor league season we're working on pro. I'm working on pro prospects, um, so I don't really get into the draft. A lot
0: myself. So when do you think, uh, Is this easy? you mentioned you're not, probably not going to see Robert this year, so then definitely not going to see Magical this year, so then how, what is your timetable you think for him?
1: Mid next year, or early next year. Okay. Assuming he continues to uh, do what he's doing in AAA. Well, assuming he continues
0: to hit in AAA. Right, right. Okay, the, uh, the next two guys, a pair of high school arms that are just now uh, seeing action now down uh, <clears> the... <throat> In Arizona, that's Thompson and Dahlquist, so what I, I guess for guys that, for high school arms like that, I mean, for, for White Sox fans we haven't seen a lot of, in, in the recent years, higher high school picks like this, what do you, how, how do you guys rank them, I guess, without seeing them against other competition? I mean, I know they play in tournaments and things like that against against good players, but for the most part, I mean, they're playing these high school kids, obviously. So, how do you how do you project them? How do you rank them and throw them in these rankings?
1: Um, again, a lot of it has to do with what our draft guys felt. I mean, I trust Carlos Calado and Teddy Cahill and JJ Cooper and all those right. guys on our on our draft side, and they ranked him number forty eight in our BA five hundred. That's a pretty darn. That's,
0: that's pretty good. good, good.
1: Thing to be yeah. pretty, pretty good to be ranked, you know. 48th in the country, and Dahlquist, and when I say him, that was Matthew Thompson. Right. Dahlquist was 67. So I took what those guys wrote about them and said, you know, these guys look like steals at second and third round picks. Um, yeah, second and third round picks. Those guys should go pretty high. So I put them in there, at that coupled with, at the time, uh, a group of the rest of their prospects who were getting mixed reviews at best, so it, it was kind of like you know there was not a whole lot of belief in some of these guys in the 10 to 20 range, with the exception of a guy like Jonathan Stever and right. Beard, uh, who obviously jumped up into that range. But it was a, a fact of you know the our draft guys were, you know, uh some of the other um, guys kind of dropping a little bit. Those those things led to those two those two guys in the top 10.
0: For Sox fans, that you know, like I said, that they haven't spent high draft picks like this on, on high school talent like this. So, what is a? I mean, these kids are they're so young. So, what is a reasonable timetable? Obviously, not next year, or anything like that. But what is a reasonable oh. timetable for arms like this to reach the big leagues, if all goes well?
1: I mean, three years. Yeah. It, it could be a well, lot. These, these guys will probably start next year. If everything goes well, I could see them being aggressive and putting them somewhere like uh, Annapolis. And then, you know, you move a year, maybe, maybe a year, uh, a level every couple, of, every year or so. Could be three years. We'll see. I mean, it obviously depends on their performance. They're going to get some time at instructs, I imagine. Um, and then it's really up to them. I, I believe that those guys' performance will determine how quick they
0: move so yeah. Uh Rounding out the uh, the top ten in the system, it, it, three outfielders: Rutherford, Walker, and Gonzalez. Obviously, you know Basabe was hurt a little bit this year. He's he's back. Then Adolfo hurt most of the year, and now he's he's down in Arizona playing. But uh, those five guys, I mean, what separates them from each other? I guess how do you kind of kind of separate those five guys? Uh,
1: I mean, I didn't rank Basabe since because he yeah. wasn't playing and he hadn't hit. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty lethal combination. Um, and he wasn't exactly. Um, a uh, blue chipper beforehand. You know, I think some of the. I think he he needed to be healthy, and he hasn't been a while. Now I'm sure if he finishes the year strong and maybe also goes to the ball league uh, and re you know uh, reapply the code of prospect shine that he previously had, he could jump back into this list. And mm-hmm. he's obviously very fluid and jump back into it. You know like when the actual book comes out. So that was the reason I decided not to put him in the thirty. Uh, Rutherford is, I believe, one of the young, he's one of the younger guys, and he's in Double A. And there's still hope uh, that if he makes a few tweaks with his approach, he could unlock his potential as a guy who's, you know, a, a decent corner outfielder in the big leagues. And it's another thing that I have to keep weighing with all these guys is once they get to Triple A, they are going to the get that crazy eight. baseball, and the power is going to come. And for Rutherford, I think as you and I both know, he has always been power. If he's not gonna play center field, if he's gonna play a corner, you have to have the power to profile a yep. corner. And it just wasn't happening with him. You know, he was you could see it sometimes in, in spring training or every now and again, but there wasn't consistent juice to, to say he was gonna be one of those guys that you really want to profile in a corner. But if they're gonna if, if M L B is gonna kinda do for him, then you know, his profile changes. If he's got as nice a swing as you want to see from the left side, but if you, and now if he starts hitting left-handers and using the whole field, then you've got a whole different animal. Uh, Walker, you know, the, the the reports that come back to me are kind of like that grinder-type baseball, right. play, kind of baseball player who doesn't do one thing, like, outstanding, but does a lot of little things well, or a lot of things well across the board, kind of a, a bag of average to maybe 55 tools that you – it's a good player, but it's not um, a superstar by any means. Um, but Gonzalez, uh, and he he didn't get a whole lot of great reports either. There were, I guess, I in the, in the, the article of the top thirty, you know, there were concerns about against power, right. uh, Whether he's going to play center field, his approach at the plate, um, that have all jumped up in double A. So that whole group was was difficult to to parse, but they all have. They all, they all
0: have all have feeling left, and they all have significant warts. I think for myself, you know, seeing all these guys play, and then and then, you know, seeing Adolfo play. Obviously, Adolfo has more talent all across the board than any of these guys. But you just, just can't stay healthy and now. Hopefully, now with this latest thing, he's back, and he he seems he is your your prototypical right fielder. I mean, is that do you agree? I mean, is that?
1: I he, he's what you want. I mean, you could. I think an easy kind of big hairy monster type comp is a guy like Fernando Reyes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, but this this is a guy whose arm yeah. I think we would throw at, before it was cut on would be like a ninety on the twenty eighty scale. <laughs> and his power is absolutely stupid. You've been to Winston Salem? Oh, there? I've
0: seen him. I, yeah, down there last uh, year, just watching batting practice. It's just uh, amazing.
1: No, I, in batting practice, I saw him hit that carousel. Yeah, like, left
0: field.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's silly. It's you unreal. Know, just. A notch below Gallo, um, but you know he, he is—he's got to stay healthy. But there's all the potential in the world. There's a reason I've had him in the top ten uh, in the book. So you know, he's, he's, you're right—he has tremendous upside, but he has to stay on the field.
0: And the other thing people forget—I mean, he's signed something. He's only 22 years old still, so he's, yeah, he's, he's still a pup. He's still still. I feel a, like
1: I've been seeing him
0: forever. Right. So he's he's been around, he's been around for uh, be quite a while. <laughs> Uh, a couple other guys in, in your top 15 I wanted to ask you about. A um, guy you saw recently, Jonathan Stever, I mean, he's shot up the boards this year, and uh, a kid from IU. Um, what did you What did you like about Jonathan?
1: First, I want to correct something. I did rank Luis DeSabe. Yeah, three. you had him at 23. I, I missed him looking at my list. But um, Jonathan Stever, you know, he was interesting. He obviously throws the heck out of the ball. I think I had him up to 97 or 8. Um the biggest thing about him right now is refining those off-speed pitches. I think we, we both know the slider. I think it's the slider. It's pretty good. No, it's curveball. It's a, curveball. It's a pretty good off-speed pitch. The slider and the changeup both need to come. Uh, with those two weapons he has now, he could fit somewhere toward the back of a bullpen. But if he wants to stick in the starting rotation, he has to, has to get one of those other two to become average or at least a threat to the to, um, to hitters.
0: And that was he my was, yeah. He was really really intriguing, and I might get to see him
1: again this weekend. Uh, I think he's on turn, but you know, he was he was definitely one that has jumped up from previous draft classes.
0: That was my next question: whether really, you saw him as a bullpen arm or a a starter. And his and it sounds like you know with Kopech and Cease, I mean that was you know they had their a good one or two pitch, but it, it was all that third and fourth pitch that really they've really had to work on these last couple of years to to how do say this to kind of excel, I guess, and not just be some, you know, just a, another guy in rotation that throws hard because, you know, not everyone throws 99-100, obviously we, we get that. But there are a lot of guys that throw hard, but they're not pitchers. So you had, you had to see Cease and Kopech develop those pitches, and we saw that at the end with Kopech, and now oh, yeah. Cease, and, too.
1: It took a while with Kopech. Yep. They tried all sorts of tricks with Kopech <laughs> to, to get that changeup to come along. I remember I saw him in Charlotte, and his changeup was terrible it was not good the the next start i talked to his dad he's like this is a six and he showed me video and it's like that has change up has come that far in the span of five days whatever he did in those five <laughs> days was amazing because the was i'd gotten on the change up at that point were just it's a bp fastball yeah and then it when my scout saw it, it you know it had dropped it it faded something had clicked and that just that change, you know uh if he if he um, kept it kept it and keeps it with them after the Tommy John you know, it altered his future.
0: That's uh. So it sounds like Stever's you know right along that same path. I'm not gonna compare him to to Dylan and Michael right now, obviously because we got to see more of them. No. But you know it's the same it's the same type of thing. Good arm, good second pitch, but you got to develop more pitches to be successful. Absolutely. Um, a couple more guys I wanted to ask you about. I mean, a couple left-handed bats, one that's that seen time in Chicago and one that hasn't yet, uh, Zach Collins and Gavin Sheets. You know, both of them have, you know, I, both of them made adjustments. You know, Zach most recently just, you know, just recently down back in Charlotte and then Gavin over the winter. And then it took him, you know, I talked to him quite a bit in, in, in uh, April and May. We we're really working on that. And then since June, Gavin's been, he's he's been what – a lot of Sox fans are hoping he would be that that big hitting left handed uh, first baseman. So I mean, let's 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 start with Zach Collins. Obviously, he didn't get regular playing time in Chicago, so that that messes with anybody. But then now he's back in Charlotte. He's made a few swing changes. So what are your thoughts on him? Not as a catcher, just as a hitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a hitter, I don't think any evaluator I've ever talked to expects him to hit for a big average right. at any point in his career. They would point to his. Uh, the, the way he, he kind of loaded his swing at the top as a reason that he's going to get beat by fastballs, particularly good ones, particularly good located ones, but he does have that power. He absolutely has power. I think when you look at it, he probably, unless uh, there's further development at the big leagues, going to be something of a guy who uh, has, he can be a bolt of lightning kind of off your bench, but I don't know if he's going to have the uh the, the tools to stick in, in a lineup every day. Hmm. He's, he's been divisive since game one. You know, you, you had him coming out of the draft and then immediately when his, you know, he debuted, the doubts were like, you know, what is this? There's no way he hits. And if he, uh, you, you know, credit to him for developing and taking coaching and getting you know, the most out of his talent. But there's, there's hitches there. And there's, there's issues that need to be resolved. Sheets, when we talked to, I talked to their farm director, they said that what they wanted to do was get him to incorporate his leg report, his swing. And I I think, I feel like he did that as soon as the list dropped, because I think you could point to the the, the, uh, fulcrum of his season as when that list happened. (laughs) And then he just went on an absolute tear, and I looked stupid immediately. Yeah. But if they, if they can continue, he has power. There's no question. Right. There was also the uh, the the stigma that surrounds Wake Forest power prospects because that ballpark is uh, conducive to power, uh, to, to say the especially least. Yeah. For, especially for left-handers. And I was stunned that he did not hit for any sort of power in Winston, because that ain't a, a pitcher's park either. Right. And it's you know, close to where he played in college. It's you know. 10 minutes away from where he played in college. And it's pretty inviting for left-handed power. So I think he hit two home runs at Winston-Salem, and they were on back-to-back days. Uh,
0: yeah, it in, was...
1: In, whatever, the second year? Yeah. So that that really was kind of eye-opening. And if he's not going to be a guy that hits for power, then he's not going to be anything. Because if you don't hit for power at first base, yep. well, that's it. Uh, but whatever whatever coaching Charles Poe has done with him in Birmingham... It,
0: it revived his career. And I, when I talked with with Gavin, we did a, an interview. I think it was last December, and I, I told him. I and I said, I was, I was very blunt with him and up front with him. I said, listen, you know, you know, I know, everyone knows, as a first baseman in Major League Baseball, you got a hit for power, and you didn't do that last year. And he told me that, you know, it's something that they were working on, um, because you know, like 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 Adolfo, I see, I saw it in BP every single day. I mean, he can he can hit, and it was just something that he told me that they were working on more of him hitting gap to gap and not worrying about that at that time. And I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> now you realize that you have to do it. And they made, like you said, they incorporate his legs more and we've seen, seen what he's done. He's approaching 20 home runs and you all RBIs isn't a power number, but he is, he's yeah. driving in runs and everything like that. So he is doing what a, a good hitting first baseman should do. Now this leads me to my next question. We, we talked about, so you, you mentioned Zach Collins, which being a catcher, is that is that out? Is, are we done with that situation or what?
1: I mean, it's, it's, well, it, it's slim. All Let right. me say this though. If we get a track man strike zone, we are going to change the way we evaluate catchers. You don't have to frame. That's you true. don't have to really receive particularly well. And that's, that, that helps guys like him. Now, you have to keep the ball in front of you, obviously, and you have to be able to throw. He's got an arm. right? Um, so that, that's a big wild card with any catcher in the mid-league right now. If you are a guy who's a strike stealer, that's going to go away when you get a track man strike sound. If you're a guy who – but you, you still have to be a guy who can block and throw. So I would say well, the way it is right now, I'd say there's very little chance. He's a, he's a starting catcher in the big leagues, especially if – James McCann, your surgeon, is real, um, and you, you've got other guys who can do it too. But so he, he'll,
0: he'll yeah. about you don't have offensive value. So we've got you've got Andrew Vaughn, you've got Gavin Sheets, and then if you want Collins to play, he's he's playing at first base. So what's what's going on? What's happening here?
1: Uh, you're going to take the best one of those three, and you're going to trade the other
0: two. Yeah. So so do you think? I mean, do you think that's Vaughn? Then obviously, are, because Vaughn, can Vaughn do I mean, anything I think
1: else? The way I, uh, on the way I rank them I would yeah, say it's yeah. probably going to be Vaughn but uh, you, if, if, if Gavin Sheets is going to continue to do what he does and he's going to have trade value and let's see second half this year 302, 381, 509 mm-hmm. that's pretty good yeah. um, if, if he has value and you don't believe he's part of your long term future uh, you can go ahead and deal him if you don't believe Collins is probably long have the, the long term uh, future with the White Sox you can go ahead and deal him too but Keep them around long enough to know what you have. Like One of the biggest parts of player development and building a successful big league club is successful internal evaluation. Every big league team that has success does it well. You'll notice the teams that don't often get beaten trades evaluate themselves really well right. and know how to deal the right guys at the right time. So uh, if they're if content internally with which one of these guys is gonna be their future, I would develop the rest, of the other two, and try to get them to the point where they have as much
0: trade value as possible. We could, you know, we could run down this entire list, but we're not going to. You know, there's a lot of guys on here that I haven't actually seen play. Um, you know, I spent last year in North Carolina, so I saw everyone that was in North Carolina last year. But guys like Comas and Bryce Bush and uh, Sosa Weaver, I mean, guys like that, and the guys that just drafted Gladney Beard. Out of all these guys in your bottom 15, I guess you could say. Who are some guys that stand out that you're, you're, you're thinking, you know, maybe at the preseason top 30 or mid-season could be ranked in that top 15, 10, 10 ranking? Hmm. Is there, is there anyone, I guess?
1: Well, it's, the thing is, like, I don't expect any of these guys, except maybe Cease, to move out of oh, the top okay. 10, okay. because I don't think any of these other guys are going to graduate. Right. And I hope none of them have such serious injuries that they drop, um. So I don't see a whole lot of uh, movement in the top ten. Maybe,
0: maybe well, we throw let, – let's say we take Magical, Cisa, and Robert House. That leaves you three spots. Uh, are there three guys maybe that you could throw in there?
1: I could say probably – well, he's not in the fifteen, but also uh, I think Stever could move up. You know, the one that, that really interested me from talking to scouts um, who, who could move higher but it's hard to do based on his numbers, excuse me, is Bryce Bush. Okay, You know, he – didn't, didn't produce didn't or haven't produced the the biggest numbers in the history of man. But every scout i talked to was really intrigued by the tools. They spent a lot of money on him in the draft for where he was. And that was kind of what made me a little bit bullish on him to begin with. But, you know, when I talked to guys who had seen that club, they all said, you know, don't look at the numbers, look at the tools. And he's doing really well uh, in, in that regard. So he's a guy that... I'd want to bet on from a tool standpoint, if not a production standpoint, right now. Um, I like Anderson Thomas. I like his frame. I saw him good in Instructs a couple of years ago. Uh, Cody Hoyer, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is a really interesting relief candidate. Jake Berger's always going to be a wild card yeah. he's on the field. Basabe, uh, like you, like we mentioned, you know, he's he's got tools. He had a prospect pedigree when he was with the White uh, the Red Sox, and if he Shows you something down the stretch, and possibly in a fall league or a winter league, he could move up to. Um, I think that's pretty much it as far as guys who could move up significantly by the end of
0: the year. Last question for you. I'll let you let you go. Two guys on here, or two guys that aren't on here that I, I saw a good good amount of um, bullpen guys. Tyler Johnson, Will Cannon. I mean, Tyler Johnson seems like he's on the fast track. I know he's injured a little bit this year, or out of last year into this year. But those two guys. T- I mean, what what are your thoughts on them? I think those are two guys that that I think uh, have a you know significant chance, especially. I mean, I think both of them can can see time in Chicago. I, I don't know about, her, you know, Johnson maybe as early as next year.
1: Tyler Johnson did not get a whole lot of good reviews last year. I doubt there's by anybody who's seen him much this year. Uh, but there were concerns about his delivery and the. Quality of his off speed pitches and whether those would play in the big leagues, despite the numbers. So that's, that's uh, okay. part of the reason I didn't rank him. Uh, Tyler Johnson and Kim Cannon. Uh, I have a little bit of concern. We see if the numbers are still where they are with him, but I, I think he, he walks uh, 25 guys and in 50 innings. That has to come down before he's, if he's going to be in, a relief only prospect, that has to come down period. I mean, he's 23. He's a college guy. I know he strikes out a lot of guys. I know he throws hard, but 25 walks in 50 innings is
0: concerning. Yeah, both both college guys, uh, Will, at uh, Indiana State and then Tyler, of course, at South Carolina. Um, so, I mean, do you think you, I mean, you've got Alec Hansen at 22. You wouldn't you wouldn't yeah, rather take a chance at, at Tyler Johnson or Will Kincan against Alec Hanson, uh, who hasn't done anything for two years? I mean, you know what I mean? Just something. I don't
1: know. I can see that that um, that line of um, of thought. I think his stuff, when it's absolutely right, is bigger than both of those two.
0: Oh, I, I, I'm not. I wouldn't disagree because you know Hanson was a <laughs> top prospect, but it just seems like he he may have the stuff, but if he's not doing it, he's not going to get a shot. You know, so it's right. just. But I say when I say like the,
1: the stuff, I, I take a look at a guy like uh, Dylan Betasis in the Yankee system. Okay. This this was a guy who took a long time okay. to develop. I think he was on
0: nine top 30 prospect list. Oh, well, that's incredible! Yeah, but <laughs> the stuff was so
1: loud that you he's going to get chances. And when Alec Hansen's stuff is right, it's absolutely dastardly. Uh, he he may take a well, while. He's 24 years old now. He's one two three this is fourth season, third full pro. It may take a little while, but I think this is a guy, if everything clicks, he could be an absolute monster in the back of your bullpen.
0: So what are you – how long do you – how long are we thinking here with him? Because, I, I mean, it just seems like he's yeah, I think regressed he's and regressed.
1: Enough he's good enough that you give him as long
0: okay. as you need. Okay, cool. Um, All right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you kind of touched on Berger, which we nobody knows with him until he plays. I mean, obviously another yeah. guy that
1: – I will say with Burger before – When I ranked him initially, I think it was before the injury. Um, The things about his makeup were as glowing as I've heard on anybody.
0: Really?
1: So, you know, they were – the White Sox guys loved him as a person, and unfortunately they haven't gotten to see a whole lot of him as a player. So that's part of the reason to keep him alive is just because he's going to work and he's going to have a a positive attitude. He's going to do what he can to get back out on the field as quickly as possible.
0: Um, I lied about the last question. I do have one last question. Uh, Jimmy Lambert, uh, Bernardo Flores, German Mercedes. These guys uh, need to be protected. What are they doing with these guys?
1: Uh, I think Lambert would be the one you bet on most. That was the guy I got a lot of interest in for this list, but I think he got the TJ like before we went to press. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to rank a guy who just got in Tommy John, but you know they, they talked about him being kind of an, an analytical darling. Yeah. And, um, and guys whose who stuff might be louder than it appears to the naked eye. So I might protect him. Um, you said in Mercedes? Yeah. Probably not. And who was the third one? Uh, Bernardo Flores. Uh, Bernardo Flores. Yeah, I, I I really would be surprised if, um, if he got protected.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's really all I have. I mean, is there anybody we didn't talk about that you thought deserves a mention? I mean, I don't know. The top of my uh, head, no, I'm trying to think, think here. I think
1: we uh, we we handled it all. Um, the system is pretty good at the top. Uh, it's it, it's a really interesting system. Um, but it, it, it's not as deep as it has been, and that's for good reason because Eloy and Mankata and uh, soon soon here sees right. will will all graduate from prospecthood and be just major leaguers.
0: Uh-huh. Not a White Sox question. I, I got to keep saying, quit saying last question, but have you seen uh, have you seen Wander Franco play yet, in person? <laughs> I've seen him many a time. Oh, my goodness. He, I, I live in South Bend now, and I live, you know, right at the Cubs Stadium here, and I, I saw him. I've seen him. I saw him probably four or six times, I think, this season. I, I I don't know. People always ask me what why Robert isn't ranked number one, and I'm just like, well, listen, I, I love Luis Robert, but whew, Franco, I mean, just. He's he's a kid still, too.
1: So, Wander Franco, if he's American, he's either in the AZL right now, Mm -hmm. uh, getting drafted out of high school, or he's, you know, getting ready for his first year in college. He has a 400 on-base percentage in the Florida (laughs) State. He's hitting 330 in the Florida State. It's It's unbelievable. Absolutely. The the eye he has on him, you know, he's basically got two Hubble telescopes (laughs) in the middle of his face. The guy takes pitches, takes borderline pitches like he's impatiently waiting for a bus. He's got a throwing arm that is, you know, easy plus if not better. Yeah. yeah. He's got I think I've seen him eight or nine games, I've seen him swing and miss once. It's, he's yeah. He's incredible. He's and someone someone said to me about a player long ago, he's he's Kobe Bryant in cleats. He's That's, just yeah. he's He's a magician. You can't say enough good things about what Wander Franco is doing and has done
0: and probably will do. And you throw in the agent and it's just like, how is he How is he this good at such a young age? It's, it's pretty remarkable. No.
1: It's really, mean, it's like it, the, the pipeline of these uber young, uber talented, largely international prospects doesn't end. I mean, you've got him, you've got Tatis in the big leagues, you've got Vlad Guerrero, you've got Juan Soto, all those guys like that, and you got Wander Franco coming behind him. You've got some other dudes coming behind them. You got Robert too, I Yeah. We're the White
0: Sox podcast. We yeah, yeah. And we and we don't him. like Fernando Tatis mentioning him either. So, but uh, sorry. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. It, it's it's fine. Um, yeah, this was uh this was a good chat. Um, for my personal thoughts, I saw I've seen Braylon Marquez and uh, Brandon Davis play quite a bit as well here now. Braylon is is moved up, but. You know, the lefty, the thing with Braylon, I guess, was his, his other pitches, but you, you throw 98 from the left side. I mean, that's that's not something 98. you – 98? 99? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I saw, you know, I saw Libertor and uh, McClanahan pitch as well, but uh, Marquez just seems like all, – all three of those guys. I mean, all these those three lefties, pretty, pretty good arms, I guess, that I've seen here. But w- what did you think about Davis and Marquez, I guess, real quick? I
1: mean, I've never seen them, okay. but I do those those lists. Um, Brennan Davis was a, a guy who was a tool of the outfielder who needed in theory a little bit more time to develop and something clicked toward the end of uh, spring training this year. I believe they told me they had planned to keep him back and then send him to Eugene at the end of um, uh, extended spring training. But he you know, performed so well that he kind of forced their hand and went to South no. Bend and every uh, evaluator I've talked to it's a you know, he needs to be in the top of that system, which is not very good. No. But um, it's, he's one of their best guys. Marquez, uh, he made a start the other day. He threw 13 pitches in the first inning, 12 were fastballs, and none were under 100 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean, he's absurd. He just – he's I he's loved three hits so far in his uh, time at High Class A, uh, Myrtle Beach. He's very fun, and he's going to be right there at the top with um, – Nika Horner in their system, yeah. Ten innings, three hits, three walks, eight punch outs. As a 20 year old in high A, he's allowed three hits in his last
0: 16 innings. That's that's just that's uh, he's that's allowed, filthy. He's
1: allowed yeah. Four hits in his last. Let's see, I can do this math. 22 innings with 22, 30 strikeouts.
0: Cubs fans, uh, that are somehow listening to this. I mean, you guys. The, the knock is obviously their system's not deep, but some of those guys at the top, you uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear about those names for the next couple of years, and they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty darn good. So,
1: no, they they've got a couple guys at the top. You're right, it's not very deep. Uh, you mentioned Libertor; their system is. Oh my goodness! Uh, it, it's like it's, you, know, you you dig a tunnel from it, <laughs> from one side of the earth to the other. and That's how deep it is.
0: Not not uh, even I fair have, to have a race system. Jeez.
1: I heard, I heard a guy this year say the Bowling Green team. Uh, before Wander left was the best club he'd ever seen in the minor leagues. wow
0: wow okay that's yeah because Bukowskis was on that team as well uh, or no Shane, Shane no, Baz no, Shane no, Baz not.
1: Shane Baz yeah Astros. yeah, yeah. The yeah. Um, but Shane Baz you know a, a guy that they got as like the third piece in that um, Chris Archer deal along with uh, Austin Meadows and Tyler Klasnow nice little trade they pulled off
0: and you were talking about uh, teams that evaluate talent well I mean there's there's a reason these these uh the Rays Astros I mean teams like that are at the top of the farm system list so it's uh, and, they, and those two
1: organizations come about it very differently that's a whole
0: nother podcast yeah. all right man cool well I uh, really appreciate it and uh we'll talk soon thank you so much thanks Lynn. all right Josh Norris from Baseball America on the Future Sox podcast